Broadcasting from within the borders of the greatest success story the world has ever known, the United States of America. It's time for an honest discussion from a fresh new conservative voice. The C.L. Bryant Show. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, throughout the fruited plains of the greatest nation on the face of the planet, the greatest success story the world has ever known. I'm talking about America. Yeah, it's something to see for you and me, every citizen of this nation. Today, we should hold in memoriam. Uh, yes, the greatest generation, the generation that uh, spawned uh, soldiers, World War II soldiers like my dad, my father, Elsie uh, Bryant. And um, let me tell you something, folks. Um, I don't care what anyone says about uh, the, tr- the the president's visit to Europe this Weak. Uh, it doesn't matter what the talking heads say. I am looking and listening to uh, looking at with my own lying eyes, I guess, and with my own, uh, you know, I'm seeing adulation, gratitude poured out for America and the American president all over this uh, this whole week from England all the way to France and the beach, the Normandy, all of the celebrations, France, the president has been well received and he has represented all of us very well. And friends, let me say this to you as we Um, move forward here that there is a question that we need to consider. It's a question of whether or not Americans would answer such a call today as they did 75 years ago. Um, my dad, like I told you the other day, was 27, 26, 27 years old when he uh, was about to be 27, uh, when he went into World War II, was there for four years and uh, 41 to 45, I believe it was. And um, North Africa and Italy was his was the campaigns that he were that he was on. But now. There was a call that our nation was being jeopardized, even though the threat to us was still on foreign soil. And, and, and when we think about the, the, the attitude, the mentality of Americans today and 
I'm not far from being an isolationist myself, okay? But but I, I don't believe in total isolation uh, as far as that's concerned. We have You have to have friends. You, you, no man's an island, even though we're big enough to be one uh, and, and strong enough to be one. No man's an island. But I, I'm definitely in favor of closing our borders and all of that, the securing, not closing our borders, but securing our borders to the max where they're very close to being closed unless you can squeak in because of your merit. Not because of you being victimized by people in your own country, that you, the people of that country, should uh, take the initiative to stand up to. You see, you've been not because you've been cowed down and run out of your own country. okay? but what we are looking at is a a mentality in America today where if we continue to um, open ourselves up to influences that have not assimilated to the American way of life, the American ideal, then, friends, I'm not sure we can answer definitively, and I guess we we can never know until the time comes, whether or not we as Americans today would be able to answer the call to defend our nation and its allies against tyranny in a mass, uh, massive way that we did on D Day, nineteen forty-five, June sixth, seventy-five years ago. And let us just be very, very clear. And today is our show is going to we're going to deal with this today. I'm going to talk about this today. I'm going to talk about the the wounded, the people who are wounded um, today as well. Coming on with me a little bit later on in the show is Dr. Key uh, and um, Ronald Key is going to be on with me. And uh, he is the founder of a place called Woody's Home for Vets. You see, in, in paying the price for our liberty, there is there there is prices to pay, pay like human mortality. And in World War Two, and in, in all of our wars, it has been the loss of our sons and daughters. You see. And there are certain scars that even though they lived through conflict and war, I I want us to be aware that the price that is paid for our liberty, many times we don't wear those scars ourselves. It is the men and women who preserved our liberty, who wear those scars so that we can do what? 
give it away? I don't think so. I don't think that is the the approach that we should have. That's not the approach that we uh, are going to have here in this nation. Because, friends, when we think about 75 years ago, let me tell you what would not be happening. 75 years ago, if I'm sitting in the same spot, in fact, 75 years ago, where I am right now in my hometown uh, of Shreveport, Shreveport, Louisiana, uh, I would not be here. It would be a different scenario altogether. And the question that we have here today is this one. Would Americans, our young people, en masse, if we were to bring back the draft, would they answer the call like my father and my next guest's father did when they went to fight World War II? Would we answer the call to duty? Or would there be some big debate over whether or not it was our business. Help me welcome uh, to the show now Dr. Ronald Key, psychologist and founder of Woody's Home for Vets. Uh, he founded and named the home after his World War II veteran father, Woody Key, who served as a medic in World War II. Yes, one of our native sons, a part of the greatest generation, a part of that same generation that my dad was a part of as well. Help me welcome back to the show. Dr. Key, how are you? Good morning, CL. Blessed. How are you? Absolutely blessed, and thank you so much for uh, being on with me again. And it was so appropriate uh, to have you on when the producer, my producer, uh, called and said that uh, we could get you on. Uh, we snapped at the chance to do it. And one of the reasons is you and I are the sons. We are boomers. You and I are baby boomers. And that means yeah. that we are the yeah. sons of the greatest generation. Tell us about your father. Tell us about uh, the kind of man that he was. Well, uh, Dad was uh, a master craftsman carpenter, uh, born in a little town and uh, that actually no longer exists. Uh, it was called Ellington, South Carolina, and there's now a nuclear plant there, that uh, one of the few operating nuclear plants uh, in the country. And uh, they closed his town or moved his town and he was a uh, son of a sharecropper with 15 kids, and um, they worked for my mother's father, who owned the farm, and he got called to go to war when he was 21. In fact, he'd be 100 uh, this coming October. Yeah. Wow. That is uh, amazing. That is amazing. That was we... great education. Yeah. 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 You know what? Uh, my father had a third grade, a third grade education, and when he went into World War Two, uh, came out, of course, got his uh, education is GED and everything became a very successful man. But what we're talking about is this uh, today, Dr. Key, we're talking about what those old men put into us. Um, and my question is, do you think, and, and we're going to talk about your, your father, the home that's named for your father here in just a minute that does give a, a space to the men who bear the scars of our Liberty 
You see, you folks, many of you, you, you'll never understand the scars and the cost of your liberty. But the men who fought for it, they bear the scars for you. And, and so we have on with us Dr. Ronald uh, Key. He is the founder of Woody's Home for Vets. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, why I, I asked you before, and for those who might be just hearing an interview with uh, Dr. Key for the first time, why did you start this Home for Vets? It was a, it was basically a, a God deal, but I didn't know it until we till we did it. Um, he died in Augusta, Georgia, a VA hospice, and he had retired from that nuclear plant and had uh, back then. You remember the indemnity plans? No yes. out of pocket, no nothing. Yes. But he chose to to go uh, die with his brothers. And then in year two thousand, I had a heart attack, and and the uh, uh, good Lord laid on me that. Uh, I live in a free country. I've been blessed financially, and I needed to give something back instead of being a uh, taker. And then Dean Robinson, who was a flight surgeon in the reserve, was the uh, medical director of the VA. And I saw Dean, and I said, Dean, I'd like to, to help. What have you got? And the nearest home to help our mentally ill veterans was over an hour away, which means they couldn't go to any programs. If they escalated, the police was going to escort them there. And then they had a hard time making their appointments because uh, every nonprofit operates on a, a shoestring unless uh, you're one of the cool ones. And then, you know, people just send money because you're cool. But uh, it, it just all came uh, together because veterans in general are underserved, mentally ill, or substance abuse veterans are under their bridge. And even the VA tries to hide them because it's an embarrassment. If your father came back with a uh, leg amputated, he's a hero. If he came back with PTSD, which back then they called shell shock, uh, the family and the Army and the VA, everybody tried to hide him because uh, we didn't want to acknowledge the scars these guys came back with. Right. Right. And, you know, I had an uncle uh, that came back, as you said, uh, Uncle Clarence. He, he was shell shocked. And uh, it, it, and folks, yeah. again, he bore the scars of Korea, you know, and, and being over there, you know, and mustard gas wounds, all this kind of stuff. And and, and so yeah. when, when mm-hmm. we talk about this, tell us about the men that you what what, what are some of the various uh, maladies or, or, or complications that they are experiencing that you're helping them through? Every, every one of our guys, uh, CL, has either PTSD, schizophrenia, uh, bipolar with psychosis, and, or, and some have uh, more, more than one. Uh, and then the scars I have, especially the Vietnam vets, the way they were treated coming back, you know, being baby killers and told to wear civvies at the airport because it would be protests. But uh, it's the hurt and the pain and it, and it not being cool to talk about it unless I talk about other veterans and, and, and those scars of being a, a Vietnam vet because, as you know well, that was a political war. That was not a war to win. And um, as we progress medically, We've opened more wounds, but then they get the resentment of the care they didn't get whenever it was it was needed. Wow, so wow! It's a it's it's a complicated thing, and 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 
I invite people to come all the time, and, but when veterans come by and talk to them, their face lights up because they have their own language, and especially if they're the same branch. Uh, they, they're smiling, they're happy, they're honored. And for some of them, they were somebody in the service. Then they came back here and got a minimum wage job, couldn't support their family. And then they were forgotten by their their country or their peers, and and they were nobody. Friends, let me tell you something. My heart just absolutely breaks when I think about a homeless veteran. On this day, this day where we commemorate uh, the greatest allied invasion put together uh, to to liberate Europe from tyranny, We think now that there are veterans who served in the same military, even in a different time, but they're homeless in America, the greatest nation on the face of the planet. There are homes like Woody's Home for Vets who help them. And let me encourage all of you around the globe, wherever you wherever you are in America, let me say and you're hearing this broadcast, why don't you make your way over to, uh, if you, especially if you've been in the service, and, 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 and you know that there are others from your branch of service in these homes, or even if they're not, go give them a, a firm handshake, a kind word. Woody, how can people help you? Uh, uh, Ronald, how can we help you if, in yes. fact, uh, the people were inclined to? How do they do that? Yeah. Well, first of all, we are on, on, on Facebook, and we've got a, a page, and, and we're blessed to have like 2,900 followers. But th- what we need is the same things that you need in your home, everything from toilet paper to food, uh, because it is a home, and these guys will be there until they pass. And then uh, naturally, financial, we are a business. We have uh, – I cannot pay the light bill or the um, – my, my – so, I mean, the clock's always ticking as far as uh, employees. So financially, and, and the biggest thing that, that we fight, uh, CL, and this will break your heart, is apathy. We'll get the attaboys, we're proud of what you're doing, and uh, great job, but it results in nothing. Wow. You know, if somebody's got a, a bump sticker that says, I support our troops, whoever they bought a the bump sticker from benefits, not a veteran. Wow. And I think they truly in their heart says, you know, we need we need to do something for these guys. But then, like I said, the, the apathy, uh, apathy sets in. I saw a great cartoon. You can appreciate this. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. Ronald, hold uh, that thought right there, doctor. Okay. i got to go to a break. We're going to be a short break. We'll be back okay. with Dr. Ronald Key, psychologist and founder of Woody's Home for Vets, named after his dad, World War II vet, Woodard, Woody key and hey folks he was a part of the greatest generation along with i'm sure many of your fathers and mine i'm cl we'll be back in just a few minutes as we broadcast the good news of america across the fruited plains of our nation i'm cl don't go anywhere
Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. CL back with you, my special guest. And uh, we reschedule uh, Sar- uh, Gunnery Sergeant uh, Jesse Jane Duff. We rescheduled her. So this is a, a, a definitely a male voice that you'll be hearing as my guest. And uh, now Jesse Jane's is tough as nails, but uh, she has this wonderful voice, uh, female voice. But we have with me right now Dr. Ronald Key, who is doing an incredible work. And, folks, if you heard his words when uh, we were leaving, he said one of the biggest problems that he has as a home like uh, his and a, a facility like his is people do pat you on the back, they pat you on the head, whatever. And they say, you're doing a good job, a boy. But they don't help you to continue the good work. And that is what is necessary. In fact, folks, we should absolutely see to it that places like Woody's Home for Vets is fully funded and that he's not struggling to take care of those who do bear the scars of defending our republic, America. He's back with me now, uh, Dr. Ronald uh, Key. Tell us, uh, continue with your thought. You were going to share with us uh, a cartoon that you had seen, and uh, I'm sure it has great significance. Well, there's, and you being a pastor, you can appreciate this, but uh, a local church had scheduled you a meeting uh, for one o'clock after the morning message dealing with apathy. And then the pastor announced uh, at closing that the meeting had been moved to the next Sunday due to lack of apathy. I mean, due to apathy. <laughs> and it, you know, it, it, there, there's so much truth in that. But uh, I got a question for you, CL, because uh, I'd, I'd like to compare notes here. Uh, how often did your dad talk about World War II? Very seldom. Um, he now, when his buddies, and now every once in a while, some of his army buddies would come into town, and uh, of course he had a brother that was that served with him, and uh, they would you know sort of kick it around a little bit. But uh, and I would sit yeah. there on the floor trying trying to hear, but they didn't talk much, um, at least yeah. except among themselves. Yeah. They didn't talk to you either. Yeah. No, no, no. I remember my dad talking with me, me personally three times and I was 47 when he passed but um, and, and what your dad saw and your, and your uncle and my dad and, and being a medic you know in a mass unit and you know this medical advanced surgical hospital they follow the battle and they had two uh, tents and there might be ten tents on one side ten on the other but one was a morgue one was a surgical hospital and they had to triage these guys coming back in and they were told if they had to send them to the morgue side, loaded with morphine, 
tell him everything's going to be okay and get a priest. Yeah. And and just, you know, and, and they had to carry that, that inside. And then they had to come back and rebuild our country while suffering with um, later what we call Piet. PTSD because our government said for thirty uh, something years it didn't exist. Yeah, yeah, I remember. But uh, I mean, they built America back after defending America, which just blows me away. I mean, the greatest generation continued to be the greatest generation. Yeah, you know, and they they really do. But women and, and children stepped up. And and folks, when we talk about PTSD, let me tell you, we actually I remember my my uh, mother's my my uh, mother's brother, uh, Uncle Clarence, that, that uh, was was shell shocked. They would actually take him down to the country, uh, the farm down in the country, what was quiet during the Fourth of July, because of the incoming uh, firework displays and everything around. And to him, it was like incoming fire. And uh, it it was just amazing how his mind was still scarred by that. And and, and your father was a medic, a medic. Folks, I can't imagine having to see the atrocity of war right there in front of your eyes. You smell the blood, you know. You, yeah, you smell the blood, yeah. and you smell these men who have had their legs blown off, who may still be smoldering. Many of the men that are there with you have seen these things in Afghanistan, and have seen them in Vietnam and, and other places. Uh, what do you need? What do you need? You said you need food. You need the toilet paper. You need all of that. How do we do? We go to the website. Do we go to your Facebook page? How do we help? You know, you? W-H, W-H-4, the the number four v dot com and then like i said we got a facebook presence and let me get i never remember to get the phone number it's 318-425-1928 and if you want to talk to me just tell them your dr key cell number and we'll come pick it up you can bring it to us uh uh we'll um whatever it takes to get these guys because we're i mean my my people there's ten dollars an hour. I'm yeah. not paid staff. I'm not bragging. What I'm saying is that's what it takes to make the boat float. Yeah. And let's and make once this you boat. Come, you are hooked. Let's make this boat float. It's Woody's Home for Veterans. And folks, uh, we have been on with Dr. Ronald key psychologist and founder of Woody's Home for Veterans. Uh, I want you to stay right there, uh, doctor, with me. I'm going to bring on someone who has been on my show many, many times now. She is the quintessential American soldier, definitely the quintessential American woman. And uh, someone who I have incredible, great respect for. She served our nation for over 20 years. And she now, of course, is a familiar face on Fox News, Fox Business, even CNN, CNBC. Help me welcome back to the show Gunnery Sergeant Jesse Jane Duff, retired United States Marine Corps. How are you, friend? Glad you're on with me. Well, yeah, good afternoon. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited and uh, love being on your show. So thank you so much for inviting me. You know, uh, 
Jesse, when we were talking about uh, this day uh, that we commemorate the greatest generation that uh, my father fought in World War II, uh, Dr. Key is on with us as well, and his father fought in World War II. I had a question that I really wanted to ask you, and I think you're uniquely qualified to answer this question. Um, Jesse, do you think that Americans in, with our mindset uh, today would be as readily uh, willing, uh, willing to answer the call to defeat tyranny uh, if our allies are involved or what have you, as they were 75 years ago? Speak to that uh, for us in, in your own opinion. Well, the resilience of the American drive always impresses me. I know that many people who are conservative and uh, get over the age of 35 or even 40 start thinking all the young people are horrible. <laughs> and we get very cynical. But the fact is, we have young men today doing the same thing. We have young men that have served in Afghanistan and Iraq, men who have served in multiple tours overseas to fight an enemy that most Americans will never, ever have to see. And we have often forgotten we've been in Afghanistan over 17 years, and we still have people who have volunteered to serve our great nation. I will say, Sadly, on some levels, only 1% of this nation serves, and only 0.05% of that have actually been able to see the face of the enemy. Many of these men have done repeated tours. Many of them suffer PTSD. Often, we have failed the veteran, including those in World War II. We didn't even recognize PTSD till 2009. That means many of those men who served in World War II suffered greatly upon their return, those who had survived but seen death, seen their comrades die, seen some of the most traumatic uh, deaths that maybe our American forces would never have to see, brutal killings with bayonets to stabbings to shootings to uh, concentration camps where you saw people that were down to skin and bones being released, smells that you could never describe, that hopefully are current generation can reflect upon today so that they know this is what evil has upon you if you do nothing. Many of the listeners may be conservative, some may be libertarian, and some may be on the left, that many of them advocate that we don't get involved overseas. But if we do not, I'm not advocating that we do, but if we turn away, do not think that in this day and age that that evil will not lurk into the United States. Because if we lose Europe to evil, who's next? If we lose Africa to evil, who's next? I would say that if we don't continue to persevere with our Saudi allies who have done a 180 since 9-11, they are now advocating with us against evil. They now want to see Iran suppressed. Who would have thought that? Many people don't understand that the king of Saudi Arabia himself has ensured that those that were encouraging terrorism after the president met with him has suppressed them, has even advocated for the beheadings of those who have sponsored terrorism and have funded it. What I'm getting at is, could we face it today? We have Americans that do. But would our population be ever, ever able 
to do something like a D-Day, let's hope that the ground wars of that magnitude would never happen again. Wow. I think with the technology we have, it wouldn't be the ground war we need to fear. It's more now probably an electromagnetic grid that they would take out your electricity, take out all of your capability to survive on this planet, and it would not necessarily be on the battlefield. So the battle would not look probably like it did 75 years ago today. But make no mistake, if you turn away and keep thinking it will go away, bad things happen when good men do nothing. Absolutely. Preach, 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 Jesse Jane Duff. And she wore the uniform 20 years. Uh, she's one of our native daughters. Uh, you know, you uh, mentioned how even Saudi Arabia is climbing on board. You know, I, I am an advocate, have been an advocate of the president of the United States uh, for uh, since he announced that he's running. And, uh, of course, I've met the president, met with the president on two or three occasions now, interviewed with him. Let me ask you this, because I truly believe it, and you may disagree with me, Jesse, but I think it's the strong stance of the American president uh, that is, in fact, beginning to turn the tide of uh, other nations who formerly were not on board with America. I think it's our strength that's making the difference, and I think this president embodies that strength. Talk to us about the job that he's doing on the international front front. No, I absolutely agree with you. Because instead of acquiescing to evil and thinking you can pacify it with pallets of cash in the dead of night, or empowering them to have nuclear capability at some point with these little underhanded deals, we have a president now that has said enough. You will be sanctioned. You will not be able, you will choke off your capability to even feed your own people if you do not comply. That may sound abrupt. That may sound awful. But the mullahs in Iran are richer than their own people because every bit of money from Germany, which should be ashamed of itself in doing deals with Iran, has been able to empower the Iranian Revolutionary Guard and every proxy throughout the world that has terrorized not just Americans but our allies and has infiltrated into the demons throughout the world, from the situation with the Houthis in Yemen, who have attacked the ports in Saudi Arabia, to the Houthis that are creating such uprising in Yemen that we now, it's such mass instability, it's the largest humanitarian crisis in the world. We also have to never forget that the Iranians have had a grasp around our neck for probably 50 years. So let's not forget that the Muslim Brotherhood was united with the Nazis in 1929, that they handed out Qurans that had swastikas on them. That this is not something that will go away. And if people do not call out with the Sharia law, and that is what is pushed and advocated by Islamists, I don't know what the correct language is anymore because you cannot say radical Islam to people who don't understand and they say that you're being offensive to Islam. But I will say Islamicist because Muslims even recognize what that means. And when they do not accommodate to what the rest of the world, a peaceful living is, we will continually have those that follow Sharia law that says Christians and Jews cannot live with them. That means they must be killed. That advocate for Sharia, that means you must commit jihad, whether it be by violence or infiltration. I think we all know 
a lot of the infiltration has already happened on a very public way in the United States with certain elected officials that I would dare to say I question their motive and their desire. Because, you know, when Judge Jeanine Pirro had made a question about Sharia law and the constitutional capability or compatibility to Ilan Omar, she was suspended for two weeks. Where do you think that came from? Because groups like CARE, groups like the Muslim Brotherhood are so stacked with attorneys that they go after you for some type of prejudicial comment that gives the implication that you're an Islamophobe. The word Islamophobe never existed before 9-11. That was a Muslim Brotherhood tactic that makes you convinced that the moderates are good people and that Ilan Omar could have no part of that. But you know, when she left Saudi Arabia, I'm sorry, when she had left Somalia, the women had not been oppressed and were not wearing hijabs. The women had a free society, much like uh, they did in Iran. It was the dictatorship. Wow. It was the uh, rebel, the rebels that had overturned her own country, that the Americans went there to, to help those that were starving in a peacekeeping operation yeah. that had forced this Sharia compliance upon the people that she now freely advocates. Wow. So you have to look. The enemy is around us everywhere. The enemy is here in China when they have taken over the South China Sea. China, who we defended during World War II when their children were being ripped out of the mother's wombs and thrown into the sky by the Japanese soldiers and they would shoot them alive, turned on us in the Korean War. Yeah. You so know, when you look at totalitarianism, when you look at communism, they will feast upon you and eat and eat your very soul. And Americans must never get complacent. And I do fear that this generation that's coming up today is getting just that. You know, uh, Jesse, no one, uh, as I said, folks, I told you that she would be the one to say it for us today. And you, I hope, are inspired by the fire and passion in her delivery here to you today. Day. Jesse, I want you to stay with me for a short, through a short break. Uh, there's someone I want you to meet. He is Dr. Ronald Key. He is founder of Woody's Home for Vets. He's on the other line. I'm going to bring him on just so he can say hi to you and give you an idea of what he's doing with his work. Folks, we mentioned uh, before uh, Jesse Jane Duff came on with us. We were talking to Dr. Ronald Key, and uh, we were talking about the wounds that our veterans bring back home with them, scarred in their minds, scars that you never bear because they bear them for you. And the saddest thing that I can possibly imagine and the saddest thing uh, that I see today, being the, the son of a World War II vet, the grandson of a World War I vet, and the great-grandson of a Spanish-American War veteran, the saddest thing to me is to see a veteran who is homeless. Ronald Key is doing, Dr. Ronald Key is doing uh, something about that. And I want to introduce uh, this American warrior, uh, Gunnery Sergeant Jesse Jane Duff, to someone who is uh, the son of uh, the greatest generation soldier himself, uh, Dr. Ronald Key. When we return with more of the C.L. Bryan Show, traveling through Times Square, look up above Ripley's, believe it or not, and every hour the C.L. Bryan Show does 
does pop up there on the Red State Talk Billboard there in Times Square. And uh, old CL's face looking right back at you. Download free the CL Bryant Show app onto your favorite devices and follow me on Twitter at Rev CL Bryant. We'll be right back. Don't you go anywhere. You thought I was worth saving. So you came and changed my life. You thought I was worth keeping. So you cleaned me up inside. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Stand up for America. Then Americans, stand up, stand up, stand up. God bless you. God bless America. I do the best I can. Always lend a helping hand. And for the flag I stand. CL back with you on this great day in the USA, and I want to thank each and every one of you for coming along with us as we build the bridge to conversation right here throughout our great, the greatest nation on the face of the planet, the greatest success story the world has ever known, and that is America. Hey, friends, on with me now is uh, Gunnery Sergeant, retired Gunnery Sergeant, United States Marine Corps, Jesse Jane Duff. And, Jesse, I want to introduce you to Dr. Ronald Key, who is uh, the founder of Woody's Home for Vets. And, uh, Dr. Key, you heard what Gunnery Sergeant uh, Duff was saying saying, uh, give us a uh, chime in on what she was talking. She covered a lot of stuff that you had mentioned. My phone, my phone is still smoking. Uh, Sergeant, thank you for uh, your service. Thank you for your passion. And I hope, being from South Carolina, you are a Paris Island alum. Uh, but just, just keep bringing it, Sister, because uh, we need, uh, and I say we, all the people need to, to hear it. And something in particular he said spurred something that my dad had said. And because I asked him when I was young, I said, "Why did we? Why did you have to go to war?" And his answer was simple. He said, "Pearl Harbor to protect the motherland, and so that an enemy soldier would never step on an American shore." And I've never forgotten that um, being a little runny kid. That, uh, and I don't think I understood it then. But it was good enough that I showed up afterwards. Absolutely. But, uh, you Absolutely. Me back to all that. Jesse, uh, what. But again, thank you for your service. Jesse, what uh, Dr. Key does is uh, he provides homes for vets. Many of them will pass away there in these in this home for vets. Uh, are they the unseen um, casualties of war in our nation today? Uh, talk to us about that from your perspective, uh, Jesse Jane Duff. Well, 
Well, the first thing I do want to reinforce to the audience, and this is something that's kind of a touchy, that the majority of veterans come home without injury or disability to the level that often seems to be projected. There are many veterans, we do know that, that work, the suicide rate is 20 a day, and that is off also many from the Vietnam era. Keep in mind, Agent Orange illness, PTSD, were not even recognized by the Veterans Administration until 2009. I met a widow of a veteran on Memorial Day weekend. Her husband, he never did get benefits from the VA. So there are many men that suffer from these ailments that had never been recognized or by the time they do get in for the care because it wasn't until 2009 and they had a backlog that was well over a year sometimes to get the benefit for many of them the inevitable is that they will pass away not necessarily living into their uh, elderly years with cancer-free or agent orange illness-free environment so also we do have the suicide rate however I often get a little nervous that people will start believing that every veteran has some kind of issue and then it does take away from the amazing opportunity and amazing veterans that are out there there's 22.5 million veterans roughly in this country today that's an incredible number and the bulk of them are successful in business served four years eight years 12 years many of them have gotten off active duty and have become very productive members of society but for those that were impacted by war now keep in mind of our population we only have one percent that serves and only out of that point zero five percent that is actually seeing the face of the enemy so the burden of that is on one a very small group but that group has to bear that burden and we as a society have got to recognize that those men do off, often do not have a voice we also have and president trump has done something incredible recently where he was basically giving pardons to some of these active duty men who were in call were in situations in combat where juries found them guilty of essentially murder. One lieutenant who recently was released from prison was prosecuted for premeditated er murder when a uh, man who had approached their camp had broke through the parameter and there was an ensuing struggle and he was killed by the lieutenant. But now keep in mind, how can he be charged with premeditated murder when you're going into a combat situation? That's like giving us speeding tickets before the Daytona 500 starts. <laughs> you know, the irony of that escapes people. And we now have a, a lot of people are saying, well, it's a fair court martial system. No, it's not. Two thirds of the jury can find you guilty. You are tried by your peers. If you have a command that's very aggressive to prosecute you, your peers are those often that are somehow tied to your command in some way. There can be a massive amount of bias. There was a New York Times article that came out about Chief Gallagher, who was a Navy SEAL and it was essentially prosecuting him by the New York Times, putting in statements from his uh, peers that were claiming that he had murdered someone when a video cam that the defense had not even been given was released that showed that he actually saved the life of the ISIS fighter that they claimed he had killed. Do young, and people were telling me, well, his peers told, told, they're recognized, they told on him like they were so truthful. I will let people know I sat on a court-martial for a Marine that was being accused of murder. And my Marine was found innocent because one Marine spoke the truth while another Marine tried to defend himself and tried to cover up the very mess that was made.
What happened was my Marine was in self-defense. What I'm getting at is the military cannot be known for always being injured, disabled, or a criminal. Because if that is the case, the very men that are willing to go and sacrifice their life for this country will be discouraged from doing so if they're not treated fairly by this country. So I go on to what the president has done. He has given somebody, uh, it was Martin Dempsey, former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, basically said that he is undermining the good order and discipline of the commands. And I thought, do you know what good order and discipline translates to an, uh, an enlisted person? Guilty. Wow. That's what that translates as. Good order and discipline. What is a third word I'd like to see in that? Fair. Good order, discipline, and fair. Not good order and discipline, which sounds like a communist regime, like we're going to discipline you and we're going to remove you from our ranks and it's going to keep everybody else in lockstep. This commander-in-chief stood up for these men because they found that there was prosecutorial misconduct in just about every case that he has offered a pardon. He has looked at the evidence that was not allowed to service during their court-martials, and all of these should be removed from the record. This is life-changing for people. You know, this getting that is this president this, this president has done more for our veterans and our community than many presidents who have just given us lip service and we all need to stand with him because make no mistake the democrats are chomping at the bit to get him thrown out of office here here and folks let me tell you there's a reason for it because he is standing up against the progressive liberal marxist ideas that are invading the halls of Congress and this president is standing up against that. Let me in, in that light. And Jesse, we only have about five minutes left, but I, I've got to have you speak to this. What you have just described seems to me to be the effects of a society that is beginning to drink the Kool-Aid of progressive liberalism, and it is harming even our national defense, especially when we talk about the fair treatment of our military men. Uh, is it? My question is, is it then uh, traceable? Is it a direct uh, uh, result of our nation in some ways, in too many ways? in my opinion, swinging toward progressive liberal ideas. Talk to us. The military has always been a bastion for progressive liberal ideas. Make no mistake. You think that they're conservative, but they those who have made a career off of many of the government positions that they have been empowered have become steady and consistent about being in lockstep with progressive ideals. Look at what happened when we finally were able to reverse the, the, what President Obama had put in place of allowing transgenders into the military. I have no beef with a transgender person. The reason they were not allowed is because they were not deployable. If you're coming on active duty, seeking to have treatment for surgery, you are now not deployable. Name another group that's allowed to go in, such as somebody with diabetes, heart disease, needing uh, gastric bypass surgery. I could list thousands of elements that prevent enlistment. Why? Because you cannot deploy. We're not a medical services organization, and they tried to paint it as a discrimination issue. And the Supreme Court upheld the president's call on this. It took a year study, which I could have told them in 30 seconds why it made absolutely no sense, It is, but they took a year study so that they could be fair, and they found that due to the efforts that would be required to change their sex on active duty, they essentially were non-deployable. This would have allowed, for example, a male who wanted to transition to be female to live as a female for a year at first 
not have surgery, and that meant showering with females, housing with females, birthing with females, everything with females. And in essence, is that in good order and discipline for the females that are on active duty? And then when the transition begins, the surgery, the cost, and the RAM study that came out tried to minimize the cost. They never spoke about the amount of time off of the work, incapable of deployment. They never added up the cost of where you would no longer be able to perform your job or duties. And then, so here's why it's not discrimination. They will allow transgender to join who have been already transitioned into that gender and have lived in that gender for three years. That actually is a fair comment versus coming on active duty to have some corrective measure made to your body. Whatever of your whatever your your feelings are about this topic, it's all about overwhelming and killing the enemy. It has never been about an equal opportunity organization because if you're too tall, too short, too fat, blind in one eye, disabled in one leg, you're not joining. It's always been this way because the functions of the military is not a government services job. Here, here. So it is a job that very few people are willing and able to do. And guess what? Of the 17 to 28-year-olds that are eligible for enlistment, only 20% of the population is even capable of joining the military. And anybody who thinks it's only an opportunity for those who couldn't do anything else are highly mistaken. Not only do they have to be physically fit and capable with minimal, I'm talking minimal, like your wisdom teeth need to be people, okay, you can join. But minimal problems medically i'm talking minimal again teeth pulling you cannot go in even with diabetes you also have to have the aptitude to be able to join i saw more kids try to walk in my office as a recruiter who were unqualified because they couldn't even pass the mental aptitude test scores and these were kids with a high school diploma wow and let's not even go on about their records that they had they had with the with criminal activity you have had too many problems and drug use is a no-go Right. So we're really, you're talking about less than 20% is even qualified. Let's look at the more morbid obesity rate that we're seeing among these young kids also. They can't even run around the block without passing out. So we have a multitude of pop- problems with this population that I hate to bash on any of our, our education people out there listening, but a lot of the public schools now have removed pe- physical education. They have also allowed a society that not just the education, but our what we look at in our media, this dumbing down of America that where the pride of being an American is no longer even substantiated. How many classrooms even say the Pledge of Allegiance anymore? Wow, that's amazing. So when you're looking at, and then, oh, they talk about you know, and they talk about sexuality in school more like it's something that we're supposed to be doing versus something we should be refraining from doing it. Jesse, like I have we're got at to. at a level now where. I have got to cut it off there, folks. Uh, the job of the military is to overcome and overwhelm, overwhelm the enemy. Overwhelm and kill the enemy. And kill them. Hey, folks, Jesse Jane Duff. You know why I bring her on the show. She brings it. Thank you so much. Jesse, tell the folks quick, 10 seconds, how to get a hold of you. Okay, you can find me at Jesse Jane Duff on Twitter, J-E-S-S-I-E-J-A-N-E-D-U-F-S. God bless you and keep you. I'm CL. We'll be back. Serious about making a difference? We know exactly where you're coming from. We are the Loving Liberty Radio Network.